I want to share a few thoughts today about the God who always knew you. The God who always knew you. What was it that attracted God to want to become a human in the darkness and the cruelty of this world? Humanity began with God. We humans are the greatest idea that God ever had long before the universe was created. Our brief history here on planet Earth is not what introduced us to God. He's always known us. Now, you may have been anticipated by your parents or possibly a surprise, but God has always known you. The prophet Jeremiah shares a interesting thought with this. Let's look at it. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, and Jeremiah says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, now, I don't know if this was an internal impression, a, a, a thought in his mind or an angel. It doesn't really say, but the word of the Lord. In other words, God shared something with me. Here's what he shared. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before he was formed in the womb, God says, I knew you. So what we have in effect is this invisible engineer of the universe found the expression of his image and likeness in visible form in human life. Adam was formed in the likeness of Christ Jesus, who always was, is, and always will be. When God imagined you, I picture it like this. He, he imagined a being whose friendship with him would intrigue him, would delight him for all of eternity. And putting it in our vernacular within the timeline, eternity, past, present, and future. And so Christmas is somewhat about the revealing of the romance of all of the ages. God's romance with humanity was revealed fully in Jesus Christ. That's where the greatest revelation has come to us as humankind is through Jesus Christ. And so Christmas is about God's image and likeness being fully unmasked in human life. Well, first in Adam, then in the life of Christ, and now through the body of Christ, metaphorically speaking of all believers. Jesus made a profound statement one day to his disciples. You find it in the book of John chapter 10 and about verse 30. He makes this very profound but bold statement, I and the Father are one. I don't know the reaction of the disciples, but if I'd have been standing there in that context, that point in history, I may have looked at Jesus like, say, what? There's none of the other writers of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, get it quite like John. John, the writer of the gospel of John, 
has a revelation of Jesus Christ, who always was, is, and will be, the beginning and the end. But he has a revelation, and he comes up with so many beautiful, profound points that really accentuate the reality of Jesus being fully God, yet fully human while he was on earth. And one of the days in about chapter 14, we have this discussion, or Jesus is, is more of a monologue where Jesus is sharing about, hey, I'm going to be going to the cross, but I want to share with you guys, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And we'll pick up on it in John 14, about verse 18. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm, I'm coming to you. And after a little while, the world no longer is going to see me, but you're going to see me because I live and also you will live. So Jesus is giving them some words of hope, but this wasn't exactly clear to them. What is he talking about? He was really speaking of the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus goes on in chapter 16 of John. He gives more clarity as to what he was speaking of concerning the Holy Spirit that was to be released upon all humanity, which happened, if you read in the Bible, in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus said, though, on that day when the Spirit is released upon all of humanity, look at verse 20, you will know that I am in my Father. He said, it'll begin to make sense to you. When the Spirit comes. Because up to that point, up until Pentecost, the disciples are following Jesus around and they're not sure what's going on half the time, but they're just like, I'm all in. You know, I, I don't know what all this means, but man, I, I threw my hat over the fence. I'm in. And whatever this means, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'll lay my life down for you. And, and, and a lot of the time they're like, what's, what was this? What's this all about? But Jesus gives them a promise on the day when the fullness of the Spirit is to be released upon all humanity. He said, you will then know. It will now make sense to you. Because some things can only be revealed by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. How about us in our lives? There's, it's so often in life, there's things that have spiritual matters. We go, what? That doesn't make sense. And it's interesting that the scripture says that the natural mind, the mind that's not renewed, or a mind that is not fully alive in relationship with Christ, listens to spiritual talk and goes, that didn't make any sense to me. Seems kind of foolish as a matter of fact. But we come to a place though, where we have the aha moments and begin to happen in our lives and we embrace Christ in a relational context and say, okay, I may not understand, but I have this felt need of God, and I know that God has always known me, so I'm saying yes, I'm in. I'm not even sure what all that means. There is a flow of revelation. In other words, the where God enlightens Scripture, other things that he speaks to us directly, things that he speaks through to us through other people, and we go, ah. And we have those aha moments. This is what Jesus is talking about. Oh, but there's something else he also said in this verse. On that day, you're going to know that I am in my Father and you are in me. 
And then he adds on a little tagline, and I in you. He says, you don't understand this. We have a relational connection already. Obviously, that's why the disciples could go around and heal the sick and do all the stuff that Jesus did. There was a measure of connection they had. But then again, of course, they're created by the Lord. Their hearts had already responded. But, and so Jesus saying, on that day, you're going to realize that presently, now, before the cross, before the resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit, we already have this eternal connection. Of course, God has already known us, every one of us, even before we existed. Now, that's a head scratcher, but there's a reality to it. And that is a simple truth that God wants us to come to appreciate the reality of who we are and how he sees us. God knew us in Christ before he lost us in Adam. That's a good one. God knew us in Christ before he lost us in Adam. The story doesn't begin with Adam and Eve and their failure. That's not the beginning of the story of this romance of the ages. The beginning of the story is God always knew us. He knows everyone. He always has. He's God. Let us remember. God knew us in Christ before he lost us in Adam. That's interesting because you can't be lost without already being known, having been known. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? So what did Jesus come to earth for? To seek and save the lost. Yes, but how could have they ever been saved because Christ hadn't come yet? But he's always known all of humankind, and his heart has always been towards. Everybody has already been created in his image and likeness. Think about it. God associated us in a Christ connection before the foundations of the world. Some of you are really familiar with this scripture, but it's in the book of Ephesians. Let's go there quick. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. But guess how he chose us? He chose us that we would be holy and blameless. It's like, how do we pull that one off? I've never met a fellow human who stands holy and blameless before God because of their good deeds and their strong willpower and resistance to anything that is evil. But in Christ... In Christ, because of who Christ is, because of what he has done on the cross in his resurrection, we experience his glorious presence that heals us from the waywardness of our hearts and our thinking, and he causes us to be considered righteous and holy before him. What a great Christmas message. You see, every human is born with a 
godlike nature, and it's at the core of every person's being. Every human carries within them the God stuff. Yeah. I read an account some 20, 30 years ago how that some of the archaeologists that were exploring a, a whole hundred years ago the great pyramids of Egypt and they found wheat seeds stored in some of the pyramids. And they thought, well, let's check this out because they know that it had been there for at least 2,500 years before Christ. And now we're another couple thousand years out, 4,500 years ago, right? They planted it in fertile soil, gave it the right kind of moisture needed and light. It grew. Kind of similar to what happens to you and me. When we're created, he already knew us. We belong to him, image and likeness. There are seeds that are planted within us and all along the way, and he waters the seed. And it's like one day, given the right conditions of the soil of our hearts and circumstances about us, we go, whoa, God begins to make sense. I, I never thought about it like this way before. It didn't make any sense to me. You have no idea how many people I've, I've listened to tell me this. It's like, I can't tell you, Galen. I, I've had people say, I, it was in the middle of the night, I woke up and I had this sense of knowing that God's really like with me. He's here and I just like wanted to say yes to God. For other people, it's been driving down the highway all by, their, by themselves and they're, they're driving along and they have this aha pull over to the side of the road. I could give you several stories of people that I know personally had to pull over to the side of the road and begin to weep profusely and say, yes, God, yes, God. I don't know what this means, but I just say yes. And for others, it's a little more subtle, just a little bit of light at a time. And that has nothing to do with because that person has a hard heart or not. It's just God works uniquely in each and every person. But eventually, there is that aha moment where we become spiritually alive. Think about this. God, who has always known us in Jesus Christ, invites us to know ourselves even as we are known by him. Today, he's doing that around the globe. Extending invitations and saying, I've always known you. I want to invite you to know yourself and who you are in connection with me so that you might experience the life of my glory and presence and the freedom that comes with that. Sometimes, you see, we look at ourselves, we look at others, we see the flaws, we see the failures, they're glaring. And we're at best disappointed, sometimes in ourselves, often with others. Sometimes we become disturbed and actually plain old frightened by some of fellow humanity. It seems so hard, cold, evil, calloused, absolutely frightening. It's because we see some of the influence of the effects of sin and evil in our world. 
that begin to come around, begin to cling to our minds and our thinking and, and, and builds up these, we become masked over. And so sometimes when we're in the, not a good place as humans, you can look in the mirror, it's like, I don't even know me. I think I lost me. That's not the real me. And it's God who begins to open the eyes of our heart to help us see him. And as we can begin to see him and he invites us to see ourselves in this glorious relationship that he has made possible with him. God knew us in Christ before he lost us in Adam when we lost sight of him. Christ our creator never lost sight of our original beauty. Remember that. Boy, I do. Sometimes when I look at fellow humankind, I'm like, I'm having a hard time seeing any beauty there. Yeah, know what I mean? I sat with many people who feel that way about themselves. I'm an ugly person, inside out. I don't even want to be here anymore. I don't like me. Nobody else likes me. And here's the good news that Christ, our creator and Lord, has never lost sight of our original beauty, the image and likeness of himself that is at the actual core of our being. Even though evil has its way of clinging to us and masking it over, the reality is every person is a precious loved one of God's. A couple more thoughts and we'll wrap it up. So Christ in his earthly ministry came to earth to do what? To redeem the image and likeness in human beings that's been marred and masked over by sin and evil. And so Christ coming to earth as a fellow human being, you, you got to get this one, what it simply reveals that there's no place he'd rather be than among and within humankind. Think about that one this week. No place he'd rather be than with you. No place he'd rather be than with your co-workers. Other family members that you'll probably be meeting with today or tomorrow. No place he'd rather be. He became what he loved most. Humankind with whom he can have relationship. The expanse of the universe cannot measure or fully define God as he transcends all within time and even space. Yet the human body frames the complete space in which deity wants to dwell. Someone put it like this. I don't know who to attribute, to, attribute it to, but uh, I heard it. Jesus proves that human life is tailor-made for God to dwell in. Jesus proves that human life is tailor-made for God to dwell in. Did you know that God's mind has always been made up about you? And it's good. 
He has good thoughts. Your family members, your neighbors, the peoples of the world. Yes, the peoples of any and all religions of the world or no religion of the world. His mind is already made up. They belong to me. I've created them in my image and likeness. I formed them. And I might be with them, but I want to dwell within them by my spirit so they can experience the fullness of God's glory. He never looks upon us with disdain or scorn. And he invites every person to be a participant in his divine life, in his nature. Think about it. You were created for his glory. And he invites you and me to share in his glory. With those thoughts and minds, I invite you to the communion table this morning. Would you stand with me? Think about it. There's no place that God would rather be than with you and in you. Isn't that glorious? When we come to the table of the Lord today, let us come with our thoughts in mind that we are so amazingly privileged to be known by him even before we were created. And that today we are coming to celebrate that reality of who he has always been and that is the lover of our souls and our lives. He believes the best about you even when others don't. Thank God, huh? He believes the best. His thoughts towards you and nothing but about the possibilities of your liberation and the glory in which you can live. Simply keeping a yes in your heart. So today, as you come to the table of the Lord, I would encourage each and every one of us, all are welcome. You don't need to, but you're welcome to come and participate. But come with a yes in your heart. Simply, yes, Lord. And any one of us can do that, even if we don't totally understand who God is and all of this stuff about Christianity and things that people talk about. There can be a yes in our heart that will enable us to, to just experience greater grace and glory and revelation.